0: going on everybody
1: welcome back to off the top podcast this is julian jordan how are you doing today man i'm great super happy it's you know the weekend i'm podcasting you can't get better how about yourself doing pretty good random question for you um
0: when essentially you're cooking do you have any like special recipes
1: or spices that you do with anything yeah man you know i have a uncle jay's chicken (laughs) <laughs> that you know has pineapple in it you know i'm a big chili pepper guy you know i like just like you know garlic powder all the good stuff you know i'm i'm a spice guy for sure
0: yeah it's interesting the amount of spices that there are today and you know how relatively inexpensive they are in today's society where i can go to uh, my local grocery store and pick up whatever spice i need for four bucks, three bucks, depending on, you know, the quality, if it's a Whole Foods or if it's a dollar store, which I don't know if the dollar store has spices, but they might. But essentially, why I say this today is we're going to be talking about the Dutch East India Company. And if you aren't familiar with who they are, what they are,
1: what they were, it's a very fascinating story. Absolutely. And so one of the things that I, you know, preface this as in, you know, I wanted to talk about the world's biggest company. And so, you know, a lot of people naturally would think, you know, as far as market cap, oh, uh, you know, Apple or, you know, as far as revenue, maybe Walmart or something like that. But when I'm talking about all time, you know, the goat of big companies, we're dealing with the Dutch East India Company. And another name
0: for the Dutch East India Company is going to be something I'm going to butcher, and we're going to refer to it as the VOC. But essentially, the VOC stands for the Verneid Oostindische Compagnie, um,
1: which is Dutch or from, you know, the Netherlands. Absolutely. And first off, I just want to make a shout out to Julian for being brave enough to put himself out there with that pronunciation. And just to give this company a little bit more color for you listeners, it was around around the 16th and 17th century and was created in the Netherlands. Yeah. So March
0: 20th, 1602 is when they were founded by the United Provinces and they kind of ceased in on December 31st of 1799. And during this reign, they were in what some people kind of call the golden era um, for, you know,
1: trading and the Dutch empire. Yeah, exactly. And so I'd love to, you know, jump in on, you know, how they were created a little bit. So basically, if you don't know, um, I learned pretty recently, the Netherlands is comprised of multiple states and one including, you know, like Holland as like, uh, I guess, two main states. And so what happened with the Dutch East India Company or the VOC was that you had a conglomerate of basically representatives of each state that, you know, united their power to create one entity, almost like the Power Rangers, which is, you know, I know the most childish representation of it, but that's what I thought about when I first uh, listened to them. And then they created this company that, had like super superpowers, you know, they could uh, like do incredible things as far as make treaties, wage war, mint coins. It's like insane what the power that they gave them. And it started off on basically a hundred million dollar investment that just funded a whole bunch of projects for them. Essentially, I'm not gonna lie, when Jordan first pitched this topic
0: to me, I was a little bit skeptical. Um, On the fact that I was like, okay, this company was around in the 1600s, the 1700s, you know, everything is going to be very different when you look at companies today and the competition in the market. And, you know, being first in market for them was probably you know, there wasn't any competition or there wasn't any, you know, they were the first of their kind. That's why they are valued so big. And, you know, there's this one dude who really understood what was going on. But the thing about the VOC or the Dutch East India Company is essentially that they were a giant monopoly, like a huge monopoly that was um, created when You know, the United Provinces was worried about England starting to dominate the trade. So they combined a ton of different small provinces and leaders um, and just
1: ran, ran things for a while. That is like the perfect point to display for our listeners, because how they became a monopoly is that they started beating up other countries which sounds insane like just imagine if apple started going over to like you know india and started just like cleaning house and like taking resources from india and started like putting uh, you know apple factories in india and just being like well what are you going to do about it india huh and like just punk them it's just insane like so the dutch east india company and their sister company i think the dutch west india company Waged war on like countries like you know, uh, like the they waged war on the British, the Portuguese, and the Portuguese elements in like you know Chile, Brazil, West Africa, India, um, you know, Southeast Asia. It's insane. Like these guys were not any sort of company that you can visualize or perceptualize, conceptualize that you've ever seen before it's it's like you know mind-boggling learning about this thing you painted the exact same picture that i painted i didn't use apple i like to think of
0: walmart because they're one of the larger companies in today's society but imagine all of walmart's employees you know from the store greeter to the janitor to the cashier and the clerks um imagine them going to other countries as employees and soldiers for Walmart and Walmart not being a being a business but being a you know an armed force a country um a, essentially a state and ravaging other places to further ensue their monopolistic ideas and capitalize on some of these contracts they made people sign um and it's just unbelievable that, you know, that's how business was at that point, and you can see why they um, adjusted for today. Were valued at seven point nine trillion dollars.
1: It's it's extraordinarily cavalier that companies and people could take the actions that they did back then, and it's almost hard to believe that you know, oh, it's everybody doing this and you would imagine that the VOC themselves were just this crazy, but just to take a step backwards on how they became, you know, like started, you know, smacking other countries, which is basically what they were doing. Um, The VOC started with basically the spice imports like Julian, you know, so well eloquated when we first started. So what they would do is go to places, you know, like uh, Sri Lanka or Bangladesh or, you know, the, you know, the place where the Bandanese people come from and, you know, trade for their spices. And a lot of the times when they were trading for spices, there'd be, you know, like ports. So there'd be a British port, there'd be a Portuguese port, there'd be a Spanish port. And so eventually, basically the stable diet of the VOC at first was just, all right, so I'm just going to buy the spice, bring it back over to the Netherlands, sell it. But eventually when they got big enough, the costs dropped for that. And, you know, just it just got more competitive because everyone was doing it. And that's when they started, you know, kind of like coercing uh, countries and, you know, taking charge, shutting down other countries as well as a company. Yeah. And
0: you may be asking the same question or the same questions where are these people from. I'm not really sure. Um, listeners, you may know, and you can shoot us an email. And you also might be asking, why spices? Why was spices You know, the first thing that the the VOC went after? And it's all due to our boy, Jan. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm sorry, once again. Um, Jan Huygen van Luskranten.
1: Um, yeah, but boy, <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. boy Jan, um, wrote a document called the itinerario and in this document, he laid out, um, the prevalence of spices in these different areas and the value that it could bring as at this point, you know, we're so used to spices today, you know, it's in your kitchen right now that or at your grocery store that's so easily accessible. But back then, you know, he went and found all these different places and these different, you know, from Pepper to um, Chile or something along those lines. And he's like, okay, here's some value here. And if we, you know, you trade this, you own this, and you distribute this through your town, um, you have, there's some potential value here. And so after, you know, the United Providence formed the VOC, this was one of the first reasons that they went after spices.
1: conceptually, it makes perfect sense. You know, if you imagine, uh, living the way you live just without having any sort of spice. And so that means spice that, you know, comes in your food as well. So if you have chocolate milk that, you know, you don't have chocolate milk, you have milk or, you know, you don't even have salt or pepper and things like that. So you can imagine how spices became almost worth their weight in gold. If you can imagine that, um, and so that's why the VOC started doing those things. And one of the things uh, I just want to touch on that Bandanese thing. So basically, what the VOC did with the Bandanese is probably one of the more crazier things I've ever heard of. Got nutmeg. No, seriously. So uh, the reason that uh, Bandanese is the place where you get nutmeg and they used to sell to everybody as far as, you know, the British had a port there. Uh, I think the Spanish had a port there. And obviously the VOC was going back and forth to get nutmeg. Eventually the VOC got pretty aggressive. They had the Bandanese sign this contract. Um, Secretly, the contract was basically like to a ruse so that the Bannonese had no choice but to violate the terms of the contract the second that they violated the terms of the contract the voc basically took them over and then like shut the whole thing down and said you know like you get nutmeg from us now like nobody else can get nutmeg from anybody else and so they locked down the whole nutmeg game which I've never thought was going to be, you know, like if you ever think, like, damn man, like V.O.C. got us again. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, there's your example. I really hope I picture you know this
0: Bandanese, um civilian this happening, and the first thing him saying is, "Ah, nuts! Perfect way to do it." Um, and yeah, essentially. The, the, what really tipped it off, too, is they weren't getting food into, you know, the Bandanese civilians weren't. And that was part of the contract. They couldn't trade outwards to other countries, and that's how they got food. And so the Bandanese retaliated and killed 47 um, VOC employees. I don't know what you want to call them. Like, they were a company, but they were soldiers and everything else. Um, so, But they killed 47 of them, and then um, the VOC said... You got nutmegged and just kind of pillaged the village at that
1: point. Exactly. And so what they started doing in places like the Bandanese, or like, you know, places where the Bandanese people come from, or other places, is that they would do they'd start doing crazy things like ethnic cleansing and, you know, populating islands with slaves. And What would happen then is basically their thought was instead of trading with these people, we'll just bring in our own slaves, have them work, uh, harvest these fruit or, you know, spices, and then we'll just ship them out because they think the costs would be lower. So what they have here is that a company is doing ethnic cleansing and populating islands with slaves for the bottom dollar. Could you imagine, you know, a company in their company call, uh, which another really interesting fact is that the VOC was the first company ever to offer equity and debt publicly. So they were the first company to be traded on a stock exchange. So could you imagine on their company call, you know, their annual call? Yeah, so we're doing really good. You know, we just took out all the Bandanese people. So you know, if your if your grandma was in ban- like Bandanese. Don't worry about calling her on her birthday. You know, she's not going to pick up. And you were making great profit here. It's just like, I i don't know. We're so far removed from this that it was hard doing research on this stuff because I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very
0: interesting that they were a publicly owned company with a military. And, you know, the things and what people get mad about today for publicly owned companies um, from like. Uh, Elon Musk tweet uh, um, and little (laughs) things like that to, you know, yeah, this, this state, this country, this, you know, conglomerate, whatever you want to call them, they, they were doing everything and it was just kind of, no one could stop them. And it's interesting to me that they were going this route of ethnic cleansings and essentially trapping and duping these other countries to use their resources that they really found their wealth and tulips
1: yeah very very good point so if you guys are familiar with uh something that's called tulip mania then you know that basically at some point in europe tulips became the thing uh, you can imagine the dot-com bubble but the dot-com bubble wouldn't even get close to what tulip mania was the basically the sale of these tulips that only blossomed for just about like a couple of weeks and it took 7 months to grow which is just insane. They started making insane money on them. So for instance, somebody who would like, you know, sell tulips for like a day job would make $62,000 like th- today's dollars a month. <laughs> it's uh it's funny too cuz when you we
0: think of tulips like inexpensive, make, grow it on your own. But back then it wasn't a thing. So for perspective, besides what they were, you know, a trader was making, this is what an alleged gift basket for one Viceroy tulip was, um, at the, at this point in time. So it was two lasts of wheat, four lasts of rye, Four fat oxen, eight fat swine, twelve fat sheep, two hogsheads of wine, four turns of beer, two tons of butter, T U N S of butter, one thousand pounds of cheese, a complete bed. Someone gave their whole bed, <laughs> a suit of clothes, and a silver drinking cup, which equi- like equivalents to like twenty five hundred florins,
1: which was, you know, their their currency at the time, for one one tulip. Yeah. I'm just going to give another second just so that sinks in for you guys. It is insane. It's crazy what they are doing for these, you know, tulips. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about here. But the thing that I want to talk about to get back to the VOC and all of this stuff is, as you can tell, the character of the VOC is we're going to get in on this thing. It doesn't matter how or what you know, it doesn't matter who we have to punk, we're going to make some money in this. So they started selling futures or set up a futures market for tulips. So in the fact that if you don't know what a futures market is or derivatives and finance, basically what they did was they made a platform where I could go out and be like, Hey, so I want to buy a tulip in about eight months time when they, you know, start fruiting or, you know, start the seeds coming out. But I want to buy it at this amount of money. So I'll pay somebody to lock in that agreement for me. So these guys are ahead of the curve when it comes to that stuff. And they made a grip of money in the features markets with tulips and selling them themselves.
0: And as many negatives as I wouldn't say negatives, but as many shady things that we've mentioned, the one thing I found really cool was that through this expansion, this monopoly, um, that they shaped kind of geographically shaped the world as it is today, they found you know various routes. They kind of helped these different regions get spices or trades. Um, you know, were exploring different places. They might not have been exploring for the right reasons, but they were finding these islands, um, like the Banda Islands, where the Bandanese are from, um, and all these other little areas to you know find their best deals or the tulips or whatever they're looking for at that point in time. And that's where they play a huge or one of the areas they played a huge role into kind of expansion after their downfall.
1: There are, you know, a few companies that I feel like like affect the world in a way that'll never be the same. And I think this company is one of them just to paint the picture on what Julian's talking about, about the the things of exploratory and finding new things and stuff like that, not the negative side of ethnic cleansing, which obviously would affect the world as well. But these people, you know, explored and charted places and discovered things that we today or back then when they even collapsed was obviously a huge benefit. Once everything, you know, once the territories that the VOC controlled got absorbed into the like the Netherlands, the country of the Netherlands themselves, you can imagine what the ramifications was for that. And the fact of this company, um, they employed 70,000 people at their peak or so. And I'm not sure if that's including slaves or not. So it could be higher. But what that equated to is 0.1% of the population, 0.1% of the population. That is a huge amount.
0: Yeah. I mean, some people might be hard to understand. Like 0.1 doesn't sound like a whole lot, but 0.1% of the entire world you employ or you own or, you know, whatever you're doing with them um, is... Phenomenal. Let alone having seventy thousand employees, like companies, there are very few companies today that have seventy thousand employees. So to do that landmark, and you know, from sixteen oh two to seventeen ninety nine, was it's still a tremendous feat of how the VOC set up, and you can see how this monopoly affected others from getting in on the business and made them so profitable until essentially invest the investors got cold feet.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. And just for data fidelity, when I said 0.1, I, I meant to say 0.01, which is still a huge number, but not, you know, a tenth of the percent of the population. And to get back to what Julian left off at is their somewhat of their demise when the investors got cold feet. Basically, what happened in that instance was The monopoly, I can imagine, got too big for, you know, too big to control and the costs and the expenses got too much to, you know, be supported by their trade, uh, which obviously the more they traded, the less expensive the spices were going to be. And eventually, you know, that started a toppling effect of people getting cold feet, just like in Tulip Mania. And They had to basically shut down because of how huge they were and they couldn't support the massive body that the VOC created for itself.
0: And you can say the VOC's monopoly fell on hotel row, didn't have enough money and they were done. Um, And I find it funny, too, that the Dutch after this kind of established rules so it wouldn't happen again so like these giant conglomerates wouldn't happen so that these you know giant you know the tulip mania the really the first financial bubble um, where financial bubbles didn't occur again in that era Um, and it's interesting they're retrospectively like huh i guess i could see where that goes wrong so we'll put these rules in place on where we really dominated so no one else can do that to us
1: yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably the way that you should do it. In the fact of learn from what happens from the past and the fact of the VOC is this powerful, almost like something that you would never imagine happening monster in a way. So, you know, you learn from that and you don't want that to happen again. So you make rules and you make like basically antitrust rules to make sure there's no monopolies that are that crazy. And, you know, I'm sure Brit, you know, the British and Spanish and stuff beefed up their military so they wouldn't get disrespected by a a company ever again. And you go from there as a learning lesson. The thing I'm thinking about,
0: too, and as time is relative, Jordan, I've talked about it, but this was only, you know, two hundred and. 20 years ago, essentially. Um, So it is relatively recent that giant companies were, you know, roaming around doing their thing. And I mean, there's no companies today, but when you look back on the Dutch East India company um, and their valuation of $7.9 trillion, that is, if you took Apple, Microsoft and Google, combine them together the Dutchies company is going to be three times a value of three times more valued at three times more than those companies combined.
1: I it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine how massive this company was. We know how ubiquitous Apple, Microsoft and Google are in the fact of you can find them anywhere. All right. You know, you, you turn around and you'll find something that's about Google, Apple or Microsoft. So could you imagine something that was 3 times bigger than those things combined? It it's hard it's hard to conceptualize.
0: The last thing you know I kind of want to touch on is do you think though that it's it's unfair to essentially compare these companies to the VOC because if Apple or say Microsoft um, or Google, one of those three had the ability to be a monopoly in that space. So Apple control or Microsoft or Apple controlled all, you know, tech in this area, or Apple controlled all smartphones, all music, all tablets, all computers, um, etc., that it would be close to comparable? Or do you think for the time being that? it would be a tough feat in today's society, even if you had a monopoly to be um, valued at the same retrospect or the same
1: as uh, the VOC. So I believe that the VOC is a particular instance of what happens when you see something that's very strange and not normal, but I want to take the opposite route of what you just said. I think that if the VOC, you know, was in place and could be the voc itself like today i feel like it'd be pretty tough not impossible but i would say it'd be pretty tough to be the voc at this point in time in 2018 but i think that the voc themselves if they had the technology that google apple and microsoft have i couldn't imagine what they would have done I can imagine, you know, the the magnitude of their actions would be, I would say, tenfold. Imagine if this company, instead of cannons in, you know, warships had ballistic missiles or, you know, like computer viruses to shut down places. Like, I think that they would be even more massive if they had the tools that the companies today had but they would have to be the VOC first. They couldn't start as like a small company. They would have to start as the big dog themselves. And then with those tools, holy cow, I, I'm getting shivers out here. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simply with that, you guys can, you know, hear through your little ears out there that there's a, obviously a lot that changes, but regardless, the VOC was a bad mama jamma for a long period of time. And, you know, they did a lot of negative things. They did a lot of positive things. And essentially, I think, you know, without I think without the VOC happening, um, you know, our society might not be where it's at today. You know, some locations may have taken longer to have been discovered. Um, you know, maybe some of these spices or foods would have been implemented later. You know, it probably led to um, different versions of technology um, and that, you know, lap laps and laps on top of each other. Um, there's a lot of things that go into a company of this size that has effects on society. So it's always fun to listen and understand, you know, you know, what made these changes or what some of these companies look like, or what a real monopoly could be in, you know, that time period and compare it to today's society.
1: Exactly. I agree 100% with everything you said. And as basically a goodbye to you guys. um, First off, uh, I want to admit this to you, Julian, and everybody else out there. I think I had more fun with this podcast than I thought I was going to have. As far as, you know, looking up a company from the 16th and 17th century, that sounds like a blast. I know. But Uh, It's so cool to talk about something that's so interesting. It's so aberrant, so out of the ordinary. And with that being said, like, I hope you guys are, you know, enjoying this. I'm enjoying this more and more, as you could tell by, you know, talking about the VOC. And, you know, we're right now, we're on all the platforms. And we also are possibly looking for sponsor endorsements. I mentioned that last episode or, you know, a couple episodes ago. I'm, Sure, it'll come out and you'll hear it if you last listen to the ends of episodes. But also, if you guys are somebody who are interesting or important or cool and you know appreciate what we're doing, you could reach out to us, and we'd love that on the off the top podcast at gmail.com. And also, possibly if you think you can hang with us, maybe we can get you on the podcast sometime. Just let us know what you're about, and if we find you interesting, maybe you could set something up. I don't know. Exactly. And I guess my parting
0: words were uh, think smart, don't get nutmegged. Thanks for listening, guys.